Good morning, everyone. Um, normally, for these all-age uh, meeting services, we we have a kids' talk, children's talk, and an adults' talk, kind of. Um, but we haven't got anybody to do a kids' talk today, probably because I gave a difficult subject. I don't know, but um, it means that I've got to try and do kind of incorporate both together. So let's, yeah, no, I've got the same, same, about the same faith as you've obviously got looking at me <laughs> for this, but let's give it a try. It's a long, long time since I did any kids' talks, okay? Used to do them. So I'm not getting you kids to the front because I don't want you all staring at them and say, who is this guy? You know, so I'm going I'm to leave you where you are, but I am going to ask you a question, if I can. I'm going to ask you, see, if, has anybody, kids I'm asking particularly, has anybody ever been to a foreign country, to a country other than this country, you know, whether it's speak about, don't include Wales. Um, sorry, is anybody Welsh here? Okay, no, it's a foreign country. Anybody ever been to a foreign, any children ever been to a foreign, put up your hand if you've been to a foreign, where have you been to? France and Spain, anybody else? Yes? Sorry? France as well. Now, what did you, yes, Ben? Morocco. Wow, that's great. I've never been there. Yeah. Argentina. Argentina. Very good. Are you from Argentina by any chance? Yeah, oh, well, that, that would explain it. Okay, sorry? They've been to England. So England is a foreign country for you. Okay, good. And you know what's wonderful is, um, you know, you can visit foreign countries, but you can actually as well, as I found out yesterday, and I found out numerous times, you can experience a little bit of what it is to be in a different country. Just, for example, doing what I did yesterday, which has come to the Spanish-speaking group here. That was great, yeah. And they were speaking, and I didn't have a clue what they were saying. <laughs> Until Joanne and others uh, in, translated for me, which was great. And they had food, which I wasn't used to. A lovely uh, cake, I think it was. Would you call it cake? And it was lovely. Uh, Pudding. It was pudding. Yes, it was pudding. And it was lovely. So it was great. So what, what else do you notice when, oh, and I visited somebody from Iran, Mona Masood here, and had wonderful Iranian food and Persian tea and so on. Fantastic. Is there anything else you notice when you go to a foreign country or you maybe spend some time with people from a different country? What, do you, what kind of differences do you notice or things do you notice? Kids. And if kids don't answer, adults help me out, okay? <laughs> what do you, yes, Ben. Benjamin, sorry? The heat. Oh, yeah. It's a lot hotter in Morocco than it is in Huddersfield, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anything else? Yes, Joel. The language. They speak a different language. And you may understand it, you may not. Go on then. Oh, yeah, they look, well, they dress differently. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be very careful there. <laughs> they might dress a bit differently. Anybody else notice something they do strange in France? Yes. They behave differently, yeah. Uh, are we more well-behaved in Britain? Because yeah. this is a foreign country for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's not the word. Anyway, let's assume you go to a foreign land just as a visitor, just for visiting, for a holiday, for example. You might be called a tourist, okay, a tourist. If you go just to visit, and you have the opportunity to learn about different cultures, a wonderful thing to do. Now, what if, though, you came from your country to a different country because you had to get out of, that, of your own country because it was dangerous for you for some reason. 
And you may like the country that you've come to, or you may not, but it's safer than the country that you are in. You're, in other words, these are people who are seeking refuge. That means a place of safety and security. Does anybody, they're not visiting like a tourist. Does anybody know what word we might use? For, I was asking the children, but yeah, that's okay. That's fine, you're a child, okay, you're a child, that's fine. Go on, Joel. He didn't hear you, so that's, he got it right. It's a refugee, well done. A refugee, and we have a number, including people in, here with us today who are refugees, and we want to make them feel really, really welcome, don't we? And, and loved, and I hope that they do. And we pray for them. And consider what a horrible thing it must be to be, have to flee your own country, your homeland, where you grew up. But there's another reason, I'm going to get to the Bible in a minute, why some people might be taken out of their country into a foreign land. And this is, time, this is not something that they've chosen. They're not fleeing uh, necessarily, but they have been actually literally forced and taken out of their country and put somewhere else. Uh, maybe a, a big, powerful political military force has come into the country and taken them away to another land. Does anybody know what word we might use for that? This is a more difficult one. You find it happens in the Bible. The name is just remember the name. The name is a the name for the actual experience and for the people who are. What am I thinking of? Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a high. I, I teach high school kids. You know, I spend a bit. Yeah. Near, near, begin, ex, sorry? Exile. Somebody's taken into exile. And they're called an exile. This is not, well, I suppose the offering is a danger, but they've literally been forced out of the country and put in a foreign country. It happens not so much these days, but in the ancient world, it happened all the time. And we can read about it in the Bible. Because in the Bible, there are a number of books in the Old Testament and they're sometimes referred to as the books of exile because they were written at a time when a really powerful empire uh, or the military of a powerful empire came and took them out of their land of Israel or Canaan and forced them to come into this, the, their country, the conqueror's country. Um, one of the famous books, well, there's a number of them, Jeremiah is partly about it, Ezekiel is partly about it, and Daniel and Esther are about the time of exile. Now, why have we got the Old Testament? Because it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Reading the Old Testament, it's hard to understand. And it's old, man. It's really, really old. Did I just say man then? Did I just say... I don't normally do that. I don't know why I said that. It's old, man. Hey, I don't know why. It, I never say that. So uh, anyway, <laughs> let's go. Anyway, um, where was I? Yeah, Old Testament, yeah. Why have we got the Old Testament? Why have we got all those stories, some weird stories, some of them? Well, it tells us in the New Testament. So, one of the great Christian leaders of the New Testament called Paul, he said this, a couple of things he said in, in his, for example, his um, uh, letter to the Romans. He says this, all these things are written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So these things, all these things were written, including the books of exile, to teach us and to encourage us and give us hope. 
Also, another time, he was talking about, have you ever read in the Old Testament about that bit where the, the Israelites are going through the wilderness? They're going through the desert, going through a bit, bit of a hard time, and they're doing some bad things, and God has to discipline them. And it says this, these things happened as an example for us. They were written down to warn us, okay, so to teach us, to encourage us, to give us hope, but also as an example and to warn us. So everything that's written in the Old Testament, journeying through the wilderness, you know, for example, when we go through hard times in life, God is with us, okay? It teaches us all about that. Or when they come into the promised land, but there are some enemies there. If you ever read the book of Joshua, kind of a challenging book, really. But there are some enemies to overcome, some giants and some warriors and stuff. And, and that's to teach us things like, if we're going to, if we're going to receive everything that God's got for us, that's what the promised land represents, there's some enemies, some giants we've got to overcome. But they're not like the military giants. They're like fear, for example. We've got to overcome fear. Or we've got to overcome jealousy or something like that. So all these books to teach us. Now, what do the books of exile teach us? I wonder. Anybody got any ideas? Adults, you can say something as well, if you like, you know. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? God is with you certainly in difficult circumstances. That's certainly true. Anything else? How to shine as God's light even in the darkest of places. Man, this is brilliant. I shouldn't be up here. You not should be up here preaching at me. Come on. Anything else? Okay. Okay, he does. That's for sure. Okay, we're going to look in the next few months... Uh, one of the books of exile, a really, a really brilliant one that I'm sure you've all heard of. How many of you have heard of the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Everybody heard that story? So in the next few months, in your groups and in here and in hubs, we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. And this is why, this is why I think we learn. Um, you see, as Christians, we don't belong really in this world. We're living in it. We're passing through it. But this is not our home. Okay? And I'm going to read a scripture with you that shows us. It's not actually from the books of exile, but it shows us something that's important about the books of exile. And I want you to, to read it with me. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, I'd like you please to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 8 to 16. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 16. And I hope to show you what I think that we can learn from the book of Daniel and the, book, the books of exile. You see, the Israelites who were taken into exile all began with this man, didn't they? Abraham. Abraham. So we're going to start with Abraham. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. I should have explained I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, that's his son and his grandson who inherited the same promise. Abraham, notice this, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. 
a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man. So his children, his grandchildren, and all his descendants came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Now notice what it says about all these people, all these descendants of Abraham, because we are descendants of Abraham, not not literally, not naturally, but because we have the same faith as Abraham, we put our faith in the same God as Abraham, we are children of Abraham. So this is true of us, this should be true of us too. Read it with me from verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive all that was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads, or you might say exiles, here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he has prepared a city for them. What the children of Abraham, and that includes us, had to do and we have to do is to realize that this world is not ultimately our home. We're looking for a heavenly homeland, an eternal city with foundations, with eternal foundations. We're just passing through this world. We don't belong here. And we have to be careful that we keep our allegiance to the God of heaven and are not conformed to the ways of this world. That's what I think the books of exile have to teach us. But hey, don't just take my word for it. Because this is a kind of children's talk as well, we're going to have a video. Okay? It's not really a children's video, but I'm hoping it'll help. It'll certainly be better than just looking and listening to me, won't it? So, but here's, here's where I do the other children's bit. Um, to help you to pay attention. Um, I'm go- I've got some questions I'm going to ask you to look up. First of all, I'm going to see if you can remember, and you've got to come and tell me afterwards, if you can remember what were the three types of people I referred to who go to a foreign land? Those three types that I mentioned who come from their own country into a foreign land. See if you can tell me those three, if you can remember those three. And when you're looking, when you're watching this video, listen out for the first place that human beings were exiled from. Got to be able to tell me that. And then you've got to tell me what was the name of the empire that came at Daniel's time and took them into their land. So you got that? The three types of people, the first place that human beings were exiled from, and the name of the empire. And if you can do that afterwards, if you come and see me, if you come and see me and get the right answer, I've got, I've got packets of sweets here to give to you if you get the right answer. And for any head teacher that's here, or parents are here, this is, just a, this is the well-known educational theory of trying to get children's attention, well-known educational theory that some of us use called bribery. Basically, that's what it, this is to keep their attention, okay? In actual fact, I never give out sweets and stuff at school. I've got some teachers who do that. I never do that. I say to the kids that I teach, I say, success is its own reward. <laughs> it goes down really well. It's just about as well as that. It, you know, I say, 
If you work hard and you feel good about it, that's its own reward. There you go. Other teachers, other teachers, I think it's true, other teachers, they give them out sweets all the time. In fact, there's a teacher in my school who uses my classroom and he's got a big tub of sweets in my classroom. I don't give them out because they're his, but I do eat them. Yes, I do. <laughs> Serves him right, I think. No, I don't steal them. I don't, just in case you're worried, I don't steal them. He says to me, uh, help yourself if you want any. That was his second mistake. <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah, so I, won't be giving, I will be giving sweets today, but I don't normally do that. Um, so you've got, you remember the questions? You all remember the questions? Three things I've mentioned already. Two things from the video. Where was the first place they were exiled from? And what's the name of the empire that takes them away? If you can come and tell me afterwards, give me the answers, I will give you a suite. Try to get here before your parents get here to me to tell me off for giving you sweets that are going to rot your teeth, okay? So you try to get there first. Let's watch that video. <laughs> There's something about being home, where everything's just right. We're surrounded by people we love and trust. There's a feeling of stability and safety. And while some people get to experience this kind of home, many do not. Others might even be forced to leave their home and go live in a foreign land. We call this going into exile. Yeah, in exile, everything is disoriented. You're in the unknown. And in the story of the Bible, this is where the ancient Israelites found themselves, conquered by Babylon, living in exile far from their homeland. And so they had to ask themselves, how did we end up here, and is there any hope of going home? And the whole story of the Bible is designed to address those very questions. The whole story? Really? Yeah, go back to the first pages of the Bible. Where does humanity live? Okay, they live in this really sweet garden, their home. And they're there on one condition, that they trust and follow God's one command, and they don't. And so the consequence is banishment from the garden. Ah, they're sent into exile. Exactly. And so this story has been designed to set you up for Israel's story. How they were given the gift of the promised land and were able to stay there on one condition, that they be faithful to the terms of their covenant relationship with God. Uh, they didn't, and they were sent into exile. And if you still don't see the parallel between exile from the garden and exile from Israel, think about this. In Genesis, humanity's exile led up to the story about the building of what city? Oh yeah, Babylon. The same place the Israelites are sent. But that's not the end of either story. In the first Babylon, God called Abraham to leave and travel to the Promised Land. And that story was designed to give hope to the Israelites currently living in the later Babylon. Now eventually, they do get to leave and travel back to their promised homeland. And when they did, it wasn't home sweet home. Oppressive empires were still ruling over them, and the people kept acting in the same corrupt ways as their ancestors. And so the biblical prophets said that exile wasn't actually over. How could they think they were still in exile when they're at home? Yeah, this is really important. In the Hebrew scriptures, Israel's Babylonian exile became an image of something more universal. It's that feeling of alienation and longing for something more, no matter where you live. Yeah, I, I can relate to this. I have a great home, but it's situated in a world scarred with pain and broken relationships, death, tragedy, done by others, but also done by me. And so in the Bible, exile is the human condition. We all keep repeating this 
pattern of human corruption leading to a Babylon that we can't escape. And it doesn't matter where you live, we are all longing for a better home. Now Israel's scriptures held out hope that one day God would send a king who would rescue the world from all of the Babylons we've created. And after many generations pass, we meet this Israelite named Jesus of Nazareth. He wandered about with no home, announcing the great restoration, that reality of home that Israel and all humanity has been looking for. Yeah, Jesus really cared about people who didn't have homes. He welcomed in the stranger. He said God's love is shown when you invite in the outcast and throw parties for people who don't have a place to belong. Jesus also claimed that Israel and all humanity had lost its way, that our self-centeredness drives us to create false homes based on status and power, and these inevitably exclude others. We live in an exile of our own making. But Jesus said the true way home is one of weakness, of service, and of forgiveness. And then Jesus went into exile alongside us to show us the true way home. Which is? Well, Jesus said he is the way. His life and self-giving love proved more powerful than humanity's failure. He opened up a pathway to our real home. And as Jesus' followers committed themselves to him, they discovered this new way of being human. They believed that the real return from exile had begun. And so they would call themselves sojourners or wanderers. Oh, right. They would say things like, the world isn't our home and we're citizens of heaven. And so Jesus' followers remain exiles as they wait for that day when Jesus returns to transform this world into a true home. You get it? Yeah? Okay, that's what I was talking about. He's probably said it better than I did. Okay, children, get your parents, if they've never done this, get your parents to read to you the Narnia Chronicles, okay? Or to give you the Narnia Chronicles. And you get to the last one in the Chronicles, the last battle. And one of the characters, I forget which, says this at the end, at the very end, he says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up. Come further in. Now, that's the message I, I kind of want to focus on today, just to leave you with today, is that heaven is our home. We are citizens of heaven. We are exiles in this world. And as we begin to look at the book of Daniel, I'm not going to say too much about it, because otherwise it's going to be like one of those, you ever been to the cinema and they play you the trailer and you think, I don't have to see the film now, I've seen it all, so I've got to be careful not doing that. But a number of people, especially Christians, followers of Jesus, especially in the Western world, are beginning to think, you know, how do we live faithfully in a culture and society which increasingly feels alien to us and even hostile to the Christian faith? That's, that's what it means to be an exile. You're living in a culture where it feels you don't fit in. And I'm suggesting to you that one of the ways in which we do that, one of the ways in which we live faithfully, and Daniel is all about this, is that we keep our eyes on eternal things. We keep our eyes on heaven where we truly belong. We keep our eyes on eternity. One of the main th ways in which Daniel addressed God was the God of heaven. And he had to make decisions along with other people about what he was going to do in a society, in a culture which didn't follow God. 
And it's not, by the way, you have to be against everything. In fact, they were a blessing to their world. Daniel and his friends were a real blessing to his world, but they were only able to be a blessing to that world when they were different from that world. And they could only be different from that world when they realized that they were exiles in that world and that they were born for eternity, where they truly belonged was eternity. So what we're going to be looking at over the next few months through the book of Daniel, well, through the book of Daniel chapters 1 to 6, because it gets really, really freaky and difficult in the chapters. All good stuff, mind you, all great stuff, but a lot more difficult to preach on on a Sunday morning, that's for sure. So we're going to do Daniel 1 to 6, and we're going to learn together what it means to live in exile by keeping our hearts focused on eternity. Let's pray. Lord, as we do this through the scriptures which have been written down to teach us and encourage us and give us hope and to warn us, Lord, and to be an example to us, Lord, as we do that, let us do this really prayerfully. We don't want it just to be a little thing we tick off, a little preaching series. We really want to hear you through this, Lord. We, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come in the children's meetings, in our hub discussions, Lord, and through the ministry of your word from those who preach and teach, Lord God, and as we meditate on the scriptures ourselves, that you'd really help us to really go deep in this, knowing that we are citizens of heaven and that we're just passing through this world. We don't quite fit in because we were born for eternity. Lord, do a deep work in us, Holy Spirit, over this, these coming weeks and months. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.